We thank you for your glory this morning. God, my heart is filled. I am on fire because, Lord God, you have just lit me up this morning. And, Lord God, that your people might receive a word in due season that will bring change in their lives. Father, I thank you this morning that it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord. It is the spirit that brings life. It is the spirit that quickens. And so I pray this morning, the Lord, as I preach this morning, that you will get the glory in all that is said and done. For it's in Jesus' name I pray and give thanks. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn with me to Matthew chapter number 9, verses number 35 through 38. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 35, I'm sorry, <laughs> chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. So I just want to see if your Bible scholars are going to catch that. Hallelujah. I don't think there are 35 chapters in Matthew last time I checked. Unless someone, Lord, that's, well, you can't add to the scripture because, so, you know, it's, let's just get into the word this morning. Hallelujah. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, watch this now, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of harvests to send out laborers into his harvest. I just want to start with a word of caution. I said last week that we were starting this series on harvest time, and perhaps you may be tempted not to get as excited about this whole concept of evangelism. But this series of messages is not just designed to get you to evangelize for a particular season of time. We're not preaching these series of messages so that we can say, okay, we got a little project, a time frame that we're dealing with, and then once we do that, then we'll just kick back and relax. We're preaching this series of messages to lay a foundation that really has already been laid. And that is that evangelism is Christianity 101. I was sharing with uh, Sister Diva this morning. I, I said to her, it used to be when I was coming up, that evangelism and, you know, reaching the lost was, it just went hand in hand with the church. I mean, it was nothing for us to get up and knock on doors and people constantly went around hunting for those who didn't know Jesus. It was just a part of the equation. But today, I, I sense and feel that the church has become complacent in this area of evangelism. Uh, Pastor, what do you mean? I, I just think that the church has been relegated to some extent to just coming to church and just, um, uh, you know, just, you know, preach a good sermon to make me feel nice and make me feel good. We do that here. Amen? Amen. We make you feel good. And there's a place for that. Don't get me wrong. But how many know that there's a time, too, when the Holy Spirit is going to challenge us? And uh, if you don't like to be challenged, then, then you're missing an important key element in your walk with God. Because the longer you walk with God, you're going to get your toes stepped on every now and then. God's going to change the way you think about some things. And so what we're after is a lifestyle of evangelism. 
whereby whether you're here for the next six months, the next 10 years, 15 years, that wherever you do, wherever you go, that reaching the lost and evangelism is a part of your life. This is what you do. There's a song that, that Shekinah Glory sings that I love this song. It says, praise is what I do. Evangelism should be what we do. Nobody should have to come and ask us. It's just a part of being a believer. Sister talked about this morning, a spiritual worship of sacrifice. Spiritual worship means, brother, everything you are, who, you, you believe, it belongs to God. Part of your spiritual worship is evangelism, reaching the lost, sharing the good news. How many know, how many you're glad you're going to heaven? How many of you are glad that you are not going to spend eternity in hell? All of us are glad about that, right? See, I can remember one of the things that, 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 that got me into the kingdom was I had this perpetual concern about going to hell. I did. I'm just going to be honest. I mean, I mean, if I didn't know anything else, as a little kid, I knew one thing. I knew the fire is hot. <laughs> I knew that much. I didn't know much theology, but I, I don't want to do that. I, 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 and so it kind of haunted me. Because back when I was coming up, the preachers used to preach about hell. They don't do that no more. They don't do that no more. They, you know, when I was coming up, they said, I mean, and we used to we call it, you know, stay away from those hellfire and brimstone preachers. <laughs> and so here's what we've done. We've taken the, the, the baby with the bathwater. We've thrown it all out because some people just were a little bit extreme and had no heart in what they were doing. But that doesn't change the reality of the fact that there is a hell. How many know hell is real? It's real. I want you to think with me for a second because I believe that part of what the enemy wants to do is he want to get us asleep and he want us to, shh, shh, don't talk about going to hell. Don't talk because you don't want to offend people. You know, you, 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 so shh, 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 shh. And the devil wants us to just sit back and just, just relax and sing a couple of wonderful songs and say, praise the Lord, while the world is going to hell around us. The devil, want, the devil got no problem with that. Well, if, if preaching about hell offend you, then I'm going to offend the hell out of you. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Because that guy, see... The motivation for what we do must be because we love Jesus and because we love people. See, you can't say you love Jesus and Lord deliver me from his, his, your people. I know sometimes we like to do that. Lord, I mean, we would like to say, I like, Lord, I love you, but them, I got an issue. You cannot love Jesus and not love people. So you came into the kingdom, it was a package deal, hallelujah. You can't just separate from people that you don't like or got issue with. But here's the thing. All of us got relatives. You got sisters. You got brothers. You got aunts, aunts, or whatever. If you're from the South, we say, what do you say in the South? Aunt, 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 you know, whatever you're from. North is aunt, auntie, whatever it might be. You're from the North. You probably know what that is. I'm not sure what they say as it relates to that. But you know, we got moms and dads and children and sisters and brothers and co-workers and friends and people that we love. All of us got friends that we, we, just, we just love them to death. But you know 
that if that friend don't know Jesus or that mother or that husband or that brother, if they don't know Jesus Christ, that they will die and spend eternity in hell. Now, there is a lot of debate about, well, I don't know if it's real fire. You ever hear people say that? I'm not really. Here's what I do know. I don't want to go there. Ain't nothing good in hell because hell is eternity. There is no turning back. So you don't have to guess where your loved one is going to go if they don't know Jesus as Savior. You don't have to sit back and say, I wonder if they, you know, you know I, and I refuse to do that. I had one guy, I, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I had one guy, I knew this guy, and they asked me to do this for him, and I said no. Because I could not go up there and lie. I can't do it. I'll preach, but I'm not going to preach what you want me to preach. Because I don't know what his lifestyle is like. I'll use it as a preach evangelist, as an evangelist, and tell people they need to get right with God. But I ain't going to sit up there and lie and say that you love the Lord and you're saved and you're going to heaven. And I knew you were living like the devil. <laughs> Can't get that from me. I'm sorry. I got to be accountable to God for that. Because, see, we, we've gotten away from preaching about hell. And let me tell you something. That's one of the main things that get people's attention. You know, sometimes... You know, it's just, you know, people got to get this, you know, hey, 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 if you don't get right with God, you will spend eternity away from him forever. It's not a joke. It's not like you can die, go to hell and say, I changed my mind. No, I'm, I'm serious about this. The Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die. Then after death comes judgment. That's what the Bible says. That's not something that Pastor Gary says. And the enemy, how many sermons have you heard lately on hell? When's the last time you heard a preacher preach on hell? They don't talk about it because they want to make people think it don't exist. But yet, hell is real. Jesus talked about hell quite a bit in the Gospels. He said where the fire is not quenched, the worm does not die. It's a place of torment forever and ever and ever. I want you to think about the one you love. Think about your relative. Do you want to see them in that condition? See, there got to be something that moves us to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I cannot know Jesus for myself and be satisfied with going to heaven when I know I got people that I love who don't know God. And we sit back and we just kind of take it easy and say, well, I'm going in and hey, you know, they'll figure it out at some point. We, you, you can't do that. The Bible says you don't know what a day may hold. The last opportunity for somebody to come to Jesus may be today. Unless you go and talk with them, today might be their day. None of us know what's going to happen when we leave here. And so our motivation in sharing our faith with people got to be, I love you and I don't want to see you go this way. So I'll preach to my mother, I'll preach to my brother, I'll preach to my sisters, my kids, everybody. I tell them, I don't want you to go there. So what motivates me is my love for you. And what the enemy does, oh, don't, don't, shh, shh, shh. don't offend people. And so while people all around us are dying and going to hell, we're just sitting back in church praising God. We got our praise on. We don't really care a whole lot about them, not really. Not really, because if we did, every single chance you get, you'd be talking to them. 
every chance you get, you're talking to your, your relative, the person that you love. You be telling them, look, you've been in church. Hey, look, won't you hear this? Won't you listen to this tape, Pastor, that preached a, a good message? You need to listen to this. You know, you need to hear this. And that got to be, see, we got to be relentless in our pursuit of souls. We're going to have, we have a plan and we have a strategy, but it should not be, your witness should not be based upon a plan and a strategy. The plan and the strategy is in the word. Go. Now, we have a strategy and a plan, but let me tell you something. I'm going to preach the gospel whether or not we got a plan or a strategy or not. I'm going to preach because I've been given that mandate by God. Your pulpit is at the ear of every unbeliever. I want a pulpit. There you have it. Now, ask me, answer me this. How many of you know some unbelievers? You know them. How many of you got some friends that you love, family that you love? When's the last time you told them, look, I don't want to see you go to hell. I, listen, I, you know, we got to come to a point that, that, that this occupies us. That, 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 that we think about this because, you know, we get so caught up in this life and sometimes we act like this life is just it. Eternity is forever. If we're, if we're blessed, we live on average, what, 70, 75 years if we're blessed. Eternity is forever. And the motivation that you and I have, we cannot just sit back and just say, well, you know what? Whatever happens will happen. You know, God will just, you know. No, no, no. Jesus said here, he says, watch this. He says, the harvest is plentiful. Now, he said it back then. And I believe it's the same today. He says, the problem is not the harvest. See, the word harvest means to gather. It's the mature crop, to, to gather in the harvest. Jesus says, the problem is not that, you know, the harvest is not there. The problem is we don't have laborers that want to put in the hours. They want to put in the labor. Uh, they want to put in the hard time. Uh, they want to put in the sacrifice in order to bring those who are lost into the kingdom of God. See, everything we do is all about the kingdom. It's expanding the kingdom. If we're not expanding the kingdom, we need to sit back, check, and say, wait a minute, what am I doing here? Are you, are you tracking with me? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Every now and then you got to ask yourself that. It's called reflection. Take some time to say, why am I doing what I'm doing? What am I doing? What am I trying to do? Because I have a goal here is I want to see those who don't know Jesus come to Jesus. That's my, and if, if, if what I'm doing is not in somehow, some way contributing in that, then maybe I need to shift my priorities until I become filled and preoccupied with this thing. And the interesting thing is Jesus said to them, and he said, here's what I need you to do. I need you to pray. To the Lord that he would send laborers into the harvest. I thought about that. Like, the Lord is the Lord of the harvest. Jesus said, do me a favor, pray. Because he know <laughs> that people ain't going to be clamoring to get involved in this. That it's going to take a move from God. In some cases, a miracle from God to get people motivated to the point that they want to put in the work to go and win the loss. How I many know it is work? It's work. Ain't no shortcuts in the kingdom, baby. The devil ain't going to make it easy for you. You got to work. 
that the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful. There's a whole bunch of people out there that need to come into the kingdom. What are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about our kids? What are we going to do about our grandkids? What are we going to do about our parents? What are we going to do about our brothers and sisters? What plan do you have? What about those that we love? What about my best friend? Do they know about Jesus? Have you opened your mouth and said to them, can I talk to you? I just need to talk to you because I, I, you know, I would hate to go to heaven, you know, and I look over there and I'm over here and you over there. And you look back at me and say, why didn't you tell me? I mean, you knew this, right? I mean, you, didn't, you never said anything to me. You sit down, you ate with me, you had a good time because y'all know you got a fellowship with sinners. But when you fellowship with sinners, you have a goal. Because <laughs> sometimes I don't like their conversation, but I tolerate it. Because Paul said, I become all things, all people, that I might win some. So that means sometimes you got to bend a little bit. Now, you don't sin, but you bend, meaning that you tolerate stuff sometimes. You may not really want to tolerate, but I got an objective. Okay? I want to see you come where I go. And I'm not satisfied. Every time I look at you, every time I love on you, every time I see you and I think about the possibility of what can happen and you spending eternity in hell, it bothers me. It bothers me. First Corinthians chapter number three. Um, that was my introduction. First Corinthians chapter number three. He says, I'll begin reading. I'm going to kind of move through this rather quickly. He says here, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babies in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal, behaving like mere men? Verse number five, jump on down. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believe, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. That's important that you get that. For we are God's fellow workers. Some translation says co-workers or co-laborers. You are God's field. You are God's building according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation. Another builds on it. But let each one take heed on how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Now, watch this. 
Paul here is talking about something that I think that all of us can identify with. In order for there to be increase, there got to be planting and watering. Without planting and watering, there can be no increase. Okay, to put it to you this way. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that as long as the earth remained, seed time and harvest will always be here. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he what? Reap. That is a principle of the earth. See, in gravity, if you jump off the building, gravity is going to pull you what? Down. That is a law. That's just the way things work. Take a person and says, well, how many of you have ever seen a, a beautiful manicured lawn and with flowers? You know, like mine used to be like, like that in the day. I haven't, you know, I've taken vacation from it. But I used to go out and spend hours upon hours out there. But, you know, when you, when you drive by the White House, for an example, you, you look at the lawn and you see the flowers and they got this thing called the Rose Garden. Uh, let me just give you a little hint. It didn't just happen that way. Somebody probably took the time to go to Meadow Farms. I'm just throwing Meadow Farms out there. That's a plug for Meadow Farms. Uh, somebody took the time to go get the fertilizer. Somebody had to take some time to go to Home Depot to buy some shovels. Uh, somebody had to take the time to get the water hose and plug it and begin to, you know, somebody had to plant, right? And somebody had to water. And when the planting and the watering took place, you drive by and you see something beautiful and you say, wow, I, that's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? I'm going to buy that house. But then when you buy the house, it goes south. Because you forgot one element. You got to get out there and do the work of planting and watering. And that lawn can look as good, as, you know, and we see some beautiful lawns and we see some beautiful houses and flowers, but they're, they're, somebody took the time and planted it. Somebody came along and they had to water it to make it happen. Why do we think that in the kingdom there's any difference? There got to be some planting. Now, what is planting could be done in various ways. You plant as a believer by sowing the word. Sharing the gospel, somebody else come along and they water. They tell, you know, you share the gospel again or check up on them. But the key point of, of it is, is the Bible says that planting and watering is essential to increase. So watch this. The Bible says that God is the one that causes the increase. Now, what does that mean? Because. Typically, I mean, if you really think about it in this, in this way, things could just, God could ordain things to just kind of sprout up, which he has in some ways, but I'm talking about the, the really neat stuff that men kind of we like to do. God could just cause things to just to happen. God can cause a farmer to not even have to worry about going out and planting corn in the cornfield. God could have just made it so that nobody has to go in the field and do nothing. Now, if you're a farmer or you know anything about farming, those are some hard-working people. And they'll tell you, brother, I got to get out here. I got to sweat. I do a lot in order to get these crops, get these tomatoes, get these cucumbers. God could have made it really, really easy. But he said, no, 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 no. I want you to plant. I want you to water because then I'll give you the increase. Whatsoever man sows, that will he reap. So if there's no sowing, 
There's no watering. There is no weeping. There is no increase. Well, I'm hungry. You better get out there. Come on and plant some seed. Well, I'm waiting for God to bring me a job. Well, you better be like my brother, getting a resume and putting it out. You think it's just going to come knocking at your door? Come on. Oh, it's just going to show up. I'm going to say, I'm just going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to wait. Well, the Bible says they that wait on the Lord are mount up with wings as eagles. Come on, right? So when you're waiting on, waiting on the Lord, don't mean you just sit back and do nothing. Waiting means, baby, you are working. You are mount up with wings as eagles. They were running, not get weary. They were running, not faint. You, you know what I'm talking about. Walking, not faint. In other words, as the eagle is waiting, the eagle is, he's talking about mounting up. That means you're doing something. I'm busy about my father's business. Jesus says, I'm busy. I'm busy about what God has called me to do. He calls us fellow workers, co-workers. Why does God want us to be a, a co-worker? Does God need us to bring increase? But it's something about when you and I share in the joy. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, you know how your kid to come to you? And they want you to, you know, they want you to help them. Do, they want you to help them do something. And you can technically, you can do it all by yourself. You don't need their help, do you? You know, moms, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you, you know, your daughter, your son, you know, uh, you know, I, I want to help me. Do, and you sit there and you help them. You really, you, you really could just do the whole thing all by yourself. But you said, no, no, let's do it what? Together. And then when it's all said and done, they feel excited. They feel like they did it. We say, yay, look what you did. But in reality, you could have did it all by yourself. And you just wanted to see the joy in their face in bringing in the harvest of completing whatever it is. God says we're co-workers. He wants us to participate in this thing so that we can get excited and rejoice with him and those that come out of the kingdom of darkness and being brought into his marvelous light. God wants us to fellowship and get excited. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be a partaker of my joy. Glory to God. Partakers of my joy. So I'm going to call you a co-worker, a co-laborer. You're going to come and do this with me. Not because I need you, but because I want you to experience the joy of winning those to God who don't know him. The Bible says in heaven, there's a party every time one person gets saved. You know that? The Bible says the angels rejoice over one sinner. One sinner that repented. The Bible said the whole heaven shuts down and says, party time. Brother John just got saved. Woo! Get my praise on. All heaven breaks out over one sinner that repents. You see how God feels about the loss. Every soul counts. Everybody is important. Are you, are you with me this morning? Now, he, he talks about in Matthew, tell him Matthew chapter 13, I believe. Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 and through 23. I think we have it on the screen if you want to look there or if you want to read. We're going to talk about four ways that people respond to the gospel message when you go preach, because you're going to be going and preaching. Some of you are already doing it, but you're just going to get more refined. Hallelujah. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one, who is the wicked one? Comes and snatches away that was sown in his heart. 
This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is who who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, and who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Now the sower, who is the sower? The sower is you and me. You know, we're supposed to be just throwing seeds all around. I mean, just throwing seeds all over the place. Yesterday, we was at Bethesda Hospital for the uh, uh, military hospital for the wounded soldiers outreach ministry. And I was delighted because we, we just got to throw, throw some seed around. Just throwing seed, throwing seed, throwing seed. See, the sower is the one that sows. Now understand this. As a sower, sometimes you sowing seed, there's an enemy that's also sowing some seed. You ever hear of the wheat and the tear? Well, you know what? You know, sometimes we think that we're supposed to be the ones that's supposed to go snatch up the, the ones that ain't right. You know how we are as Christians sometimes. You know how we get. We can tell the ones who ain't right and the ones who are. I mean, there's an enemy out there that's also sowing something that would try to counter what you do as a believer, but you're called to sow. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 4. Watch this. I love this verse. He says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing, watch this, in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready, what? In season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. Watch this. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Watch this. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. There can be no effective evangelism without the proclamation of the word. See, the word is the key. See, if there's no word, there's no evangelism. I like how he says, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. In other words, preach it when they feel like it and preach it when they don't want to hear it. Your job and my job is to preach and to sow the seed. And wherever it falls, it falls. But we are to do it when it's in season, when it's popular, and when it's not. Paul said, Timothy, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I, want you to do. I want you to preach the word. Because it's going to come a time where people ain't going to want to hear it. How many know we're living in that time right now? We're living in a season and a time right now where people don't want to hear it. So what are you going to do? Are you just going to say, okay, I guess I'll just take my tent, my toys, and go? No, he says, you preach it whether you want to hear it or not. <laughs> so the word, the sower sows the word. The seed is the word of God, and we got to preach it. So what are the four ways he talks about here that we just read in Matthew, that people respond to the gospel. He talks about the seed by the wayside. 
the devil comes and he snatches away the word. You ever had a chance, a time when you was preaching, you know, maybe sharing the gospel with a friend or somebody, and, and it looks like that as soon as you're preaching the word, it seems like they're just not getting it. They just seem like they're off in the la-la land. I mean, no, it's a, this is a spiritual thing. The Bible says that the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour. So as you're standing there preaching the word, the, the enemy wants to come before they can, you can, they can get it and understand it and snatch it out of their hearts. That's why spiritual evangelism and witness, witnessing is spiritual. It can't be anything that you and I do in the flesh. Well, I'm just going to go and just, no, no. You just can't go and do anything. How I many know you got to be empowered to do this? Because you're fighting against a devil who's saying, I ain't giving this up to you. I'm not giving this territory up to you. No, I want you to just go to church and have a good time. I'll meet you there. But just go worship. But don't be coming over here on my territory thinking you're going to pull them out and bring them in. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to let you do that. Don't, you know, that's, you know, so what he does, he's fighting. So soon the Bible says the wicked one comes. He comes and snatch the word out of the heart before he can take root. That's what you're fighting against. Sometimes you're trying to share the gospel. You look at him. That's exactly what's going on. The enemy is right there saying, mm, don't, 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 don't let it. Don't let Because if you ever get a revelation of this life, oh, it'll be good. For the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. See, how many know the Lord is good? If you know him, you know he's good. And the devil don't want other people to know how good he is. So what does he do? He comes in. He snatches the word. So you're preaching. You go, and they just look at you like, I don't understand. See, it's spiritual warfare. It's spiritual warfare. And we got to understand that's exactly what it is. Then he talks about this second thing of stony places. Seed that fell on stony places. No root. This is the person. Uh, y'all pardon me for saying this. This is the person that says, I'm going to the gym and work out. I'm going to get fit. They go to the store. They go to, to the sporting goods store, and they get their sneakers. They get their outfit, and they get excited because, you know, I get to work out. And then they start working out maybe once or twice, and all of a sudden, after a month, you don't see them anymore. What happened? I thought, today you're trying to lose some weight. Where they at? See, it was never really in their heart. Because when the persecution, the Bible says that when persecution arises because of the word, when they realize how hard it is and the amount of work that you got to put in in order to lose the weight. It's like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be all of that. See, the stony place person is a person that's, they're the emotional people. They, they, every new opportunity, new something new, let's try, let's try, see how it works. And then once they realize how challenging it is, it's like, okay. I ain't trying to do all that. I didn't. It's amazing. You start talking to people about Jesus. And you say, oh, you can, get, you can go to heaven. You, and then once you start talking about dying to yourself, can't do certain things. Wait, wait. I, 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 I don't think I was kind of understanding that Christianity was going to be all of that. You mean I, I, I need to go to church? You, you mean I need to serve? You mean I need to give me? I need to love my neighbor? Uh, I, I didn't think it was going to be all that. Well, can I just have Jesus? No, 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 no. How many know, baby, it costs you something? Salvation is free. Discipleship costs you your life. That's what people don't want to hear. Don't, don't want to, you know, Christianity costs you your life. It costs you everything. Then he talks about the thorny ground, the thorny ground Christian, or I shouldn't say Christian, or the stony ground person. 
This is the person that hears the word of God in the cares of this life. They're more concerned about the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, that they're so concerned about making money. They're so concerned about achieving success in this world that when somebody tries to preach the gospel to them, it chokes out the word. They can't hear it because they're concerned about the here and now. So these are the, this is the kind of thing that you're going to be confronted with as you go. You're going to, be, you're going to, you're going to remember this word. You're going to remember, yeah, the, the cares of this life. I ain't trying to give all that up. I don't want to give up my money. Remember the rich young ruler? What did the rich young ruler say? He comes as a Lord. I, you know, I, I've done everything. I, I mean, I, I, I take care of people. I give to the poor. I, I do all the things that you want me to do. I know, Jesus, that I'm right with you. And Jesus said, uh, okay, one thing you lack, sell everything you got. Give it to the poor and then come follow me. The Bible said the rich man went away sorrowful in tears. You know what that mean? He was like, I ain't trying to do that. I ain't trying to go that far. And how do you know Jesus knows exactly where we are? He knows where people are. And he knows how to dial our number. But see, the good ground soil, he talks about the good ground. He said, these are those that when they hear the word, it takes root and they bring forth fruit, some 30, some 40, 60, 100 fold. In other words, Everybody gets saved at different levels. You know, some of us are a little bit more mature than others. You know, all of us are at, at different levels. That's okay. But if you get saved, you're going to bear some fruit. I said, if you get saved, you're going to bear some fruit. There is no way to be impacted, saved, impacted by God, and there not be something in your life that changes. If look, if a person still hate. They still don't want to, they still mad, they still hating, they still doing everything they get. No conviction of the spirit. Let me tell you something, something happened in there. Because he says, you bring forth fruit, some 20, some 30, some 60. In other words, you look over your life and say, I'm struggling here, but you know what? I'm, I'm changing in this area of my life. In other words, there's, a, there's some fruit because the Bible says the tree is known by its what? Fruit. So if you're going to get, if you get right with God, you're going to bear some fruit somewhere in your life. For you fruit inspectors, <laughs> don't just look at one aspect. Look at that thing as a whole because everybody's on struggling with different things. Come on. We all still struggle. But when you get saved, there's some things in your life that's going to change. Hallelujah. They're going to change. But these are the four souls that he was talking about as you begin to share and, and understand that those that get right with God, they're going to bear some fruit. In, in closing, watch this. Galatians 6, 9. I love this scripture. You can write it down. I don't think I gave that to you guys. It says, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due season, due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. How many know that God has a timetable for every seed? He has a timetable. And unfortunately... Uh, his timetable is not ours. That's the part we don't like. You know, because you know how it is. When you want God to move, you want God to move. Now. God, I got things I got going on. I need you to do this like today. And God says, he just kind of sit back and says, okay, whatever. 
Is that about as blunt as I can be? God does that because God is not moved by our timetable. See, he created the heavens and the earth. (laughs) So he don't take counsel from us on how things ought to be run. He just don't. But he says, I like how he says, though, in due season, in due season, it brings back the memory of the scripture verse that said, the Bible said that in the fullness of time, Jesus came. Not, not too early, not too late, but at the perfect time, Jesus came and died for us. In the fullness of time, glory to God. The Bible says that in due season, so you got to understand your season. He said in due season, at the right time, when all the pieces fall in place, bam, I'm going to do this for you. So he says, don't be weary. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. From doing good. For at the right time in due season, you will. Everybody say will. will. I mean, I mean you would agree God's not a man that he should lie. That's right. uh, we can count on three things as we wait for God to move. God will cause our harvest to come from our seed because he said in due season you will reap if you don't faint. He said, so understand this. When you plant seeds... What you're sowing, you're going to reap. And you got to keep telling yourself why you're going through it. So wait a minute, I'm doing all this work, I'm serving, I'm going to reap something. That's right. See, the Bible tells us don't get weary because sometimes it gets tired. How I many know it gets hard sometimes after a while you start doing stuff, you don't see fruit right away, you start being like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, he said, don't be weary. Don't do it. He said, because in due time, at the right time, you're going to reap. He didn't say you might reap. He said, you're going to reap. Did y'all hear that? He said, in due season, you will reap. But what's going to keep you from reaping is you give up. You faint. Mm. Bible says you faint in a day in adversity, your strength is small. So whatever you believe in God for, as it relates to evangelism, or something you got going on in your life, you keep sowing, and in due season, at the right time, it's going to happen for you because God is not a man that he should lie. Glory to God. God is never late or early. Glory to God. Our harvest will have the nature as our seed that is sown. So what are we to do during the time of planting? Refuse to become discouraged. Determine to keep your faith alive and active. That means you keep doing what you've been doing and you don't stop. You don't quit. 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 You will reap if you faint not. How many of us has been right on the edge of our blessing? And we didn't get it because we fainted. Jesus already says, keep doing good. Here's what you got to ask yourself. And is what I'm doing, is it a good thing? Yeah. Is it within the will of God? Yeah. Then I'm going to keep going. Because he promised me in his word. He says, I'm going to reap if I don't faint. That's what he said. All right, see these cards. Sister Diva made some cards. The only bad thing about this is my face is on it. 
That's the only problem. Other than that, uh, it's a very, very nice card. Now, I want you to look at these cards as a seed. A seed. Because what we are talking about in this message, in this series of messages, is that we're going to be planting seeds as a way of, as a lifestyle. It's what we do. We're going to be doing it all the time. Now, we print it out. Now, watch this. Now, for those of you who are serious about evangelism, now, if you're not serious about evangelism, uh, don't pick up these cards because it costs money. If you're not going to spread some seeds, please do us a favor. Just don't touch, don't touch the, the things on the table because it costs money. But if you're saying, Pastor, I heard what you said. I love my neighbors. I love my friends. I love my relatives. I'm going to plant seeds. This is a seed. Now, you can do it this way with your mouth, and you can do it this way. You can do it in any way you can, but it's a seed. And you take this seed, and anywhere that you go, we're asking you to drop it everywhere that you go. I'm going to Giant, drop it off at Giant. I'm going to a restaurant, drop, leave it on the table. I'm going to the post office, put it on the community board. I'm walking by a car, and that car looked really nice to me, put it on the windshield. Take this and plant it and say, here's a seed. We got, uh, we got them in, in uh, bundles of 10 over on the table. So if you want 10, you want 20, grab them. And I want you to plant seeds everywhere you go because we're going to believe God that as we keep doing this, what's going to happen? We're going to get a harvest from it. Do you hear me? You're going to get a, now this is just one form of that seed. If you love people, let me put it this way, if you love God, you will do this. Because it's all about, it's all about the kingdom and it's all about God. So those cards are going to be over on the table. I'm going to trust and believe. And what we have on the back, just so you know, we have the information about the church. We have our website, which you place all of our sermons there. And uh, we have on there the times of our service. But we also have on the back God's simple plan of salvation. So that if somebody get touched by God, they'll know how to pray and receive Jesus Christ as Savior. How do we know that's a seed? That's what we're all about. You're not going to have time to talk to everybody that you see. Sometimes you're not going to be able to talk, but you can always drop this down as a seed as well. And if you're not going to pass them out, just, just leave them. And the folks that want to pass them out will pass them out. But I know here we have people that's going to pass them out because you believe that this whole thing is all about God, and you believe that God is going to give us a harvest on our sowing of seed. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Maybe you heard this 